Cosmic Christ Podcast, channeling the mind of Christ, with your host, Ascended Master and Enlightenment Instructor, Reva Christ. Theme music, Tears of Joy, by David Feslian, FeslianStudios.com. Welcome back to Cosmic Christ Podcast, Channeling the Mind of Christ. I'm Reva Christ, and we are on Episode 33, Part 4 of Our Poisoned World. And Mercy Heavens will be sharing her spiritual debate process. How do you go about the spiritual debate process? I understand reading the Bible spiritually, but how do you go about the process of teaching spiritual discernment? The spirits tell me that humans don't even use basic discernment in their thinking. Well, the first thing you have to do when you're debating is you have to remember that no matter who you're debating with, they may have a less of an understanding than you do. So in other words, uh, they may not have an understanding as great as your own. Therefore, you have to be prepared to teach them every step of the way. And to do that, you have to make certain you have ammunition. Ammunition is knowledge. You have to make certain that your knowledge is so ironclad and foolproof that it puts doubt on their minds and makes them rethink their plan of rebuttal, opposition, and contradiction. That way, whenever they come at you with something that is not going along with your own belief system, you can question them. You mean it's not going along with something you teach? No, I'm speaking of your beliefs, your own personal, individual belief system. If something's not going along with your personal beliefs as a debater, you have to teach your opponent where you're coming from in your own personal line of thinking. In other words, your job is to create uncertainty in their line of thinking so that they have to rethink, re-examine, and re-evaluate their own thought process, perceptions, and beliefs. The more convicted you are in your beliefs, the more unsettled they will become. And this will open their mind to new concepts and ideas so new information can get through. Debating is all about making someone see another side of an issue. When the Bible is the backbone of a debate, to teach your opponent spiritual discernment during the debate process you must bring every single one of their responses and replies back home to God where they originated from because God is the reason why they feel they have a right to do what is wrong in the first place. I know when I'm debating the Bible I always prepare my answers and curtail them to show God's point of view by convincing my opponent that my perception of God comes from the scriptures while their perception of God comes from man's programming. So in other words, they were programmed to think the way they do outside of the scriptures. I also teach them that men forsake God while worshiping only themselves. Naturally, man's version of God is self-centered and man-serving. Man-serving meaning whatever they say serves themselves instead of serving God. This is literally all they have to use to debate with is their own self-serving ideas of God rather than debating with 
what God truly is. Every single answer that they give to my teachings is to prove that their point of view on the issue is the correct one because it comes from the perception of who men want God to be rather than who God truly is. God to man is an all-powerful deity that backs men up in all that they do. Man's God justifies man's every lawless, sinful deed and action so that men can continue pursuing their unconscious, corrupt, ungodly, selfish, greedy ways in their unholy inequities. When I debate using the Bible, I remind my opponents to turn their thoughts upward away from man's world and away from man's God while keeping their mind focused on the real God. This is why I keep asking them questions like, do you really think God would do that? Do you really think God would say that? Do you really think God would approve of that? I'm constantly reminding them who God is according to the scriptures rather than according to their interpretation of God. This keeps me in control of the debate. For all they keep doing is showing the audience who God is according to men. Let's take hunting, for instance, as our debating topic. In every animal welfare debate, I always debate with a hunter. And right off the bat, I can tell you that hunting is ungodly because we as godly beings are supposed to be perfect as our Father in heaven is perfect. Who is our Father in heaven? God. Well, God did not hunt, nor did God fish. So hunting and fishing must be imperfect. Now let's move on. What else do we know about God? God did not approve of violence, bloodshed, or killing. And God also did not approve of corrupting one's innocence. When thinking of what God did approve of, God specifically told man to eat only vegetation. So God approved of planting, not hunting, or meat eating. This is a biblical fact proved by the scriptures. Although I never met a hunter who was not a Bible-toting, church-going person, I also never met a hunter who was truly aware of what God wanted or who God truly was. Remember, when debating hunting, meat-eating, or animal welfare, it is important to realize that you are not debating a person's moral goodness concerning how they treat other human beings or how they treat the family pets. These debates are not used to bash a person's personal character, although a lot of debaters enjoy doing just that. Concerning meat-eating and hunting, what you are debating is the moral mind concerning diet only. You are not debating a human being's personal or individual worth. To hunt down and kill an animal or to eat meat, your higher moral mind has to shut down and close out all conscious awareness of mercy equity, compassion, sensitivity, empathy, and peaceful conduct and action. When the accepted standards of human morality create moral permissibility towards harming, killing, and creating states of distress, 
and suffering to other living beings, this shows that the mindset of those who participate and instigate such atrocities are nothing more than self-serving and unenlightened. Therefore, they are not fully cognitive in higher conscience or higher awareness. So now let's move on to the debating process. Take a hunter, for instance. If a hunter said something to me to the effect of, it's a loving thing to hunt, which incidentally a lot of people actually do say. Well, if they say that, you can reply to them, well, how do you determine what love is? Can you tell me in your own opinion what love is and relay that to your own feelings when you personally go on a hunt? Knowing your opponent's answers will help you arm your ammunition. Remember, your ammunition is your knowledge. So knowing your opponent's answers will help you arm your ammunition of knowledge when you respond. The standard hunter's answer to this question lies in three things. Number one, hunters tell me that they love to be outdoors in nature. And believe it or not, they say they also love how relaxing and enjoyable it is to kill. Now every time I hear this, I always think to myself, oh my God, that's a clear sign that they do not possess a sound, sane mind. For killing, in my opinion, is wrong. And if killing is enjoyable and relaxing to them, they must have a very dangerous mindset. So my debate argument would actually be to deflect away from their unstable mindset and clarify my own beliefs on what love truly is. How I do this is I ask them to explain how their love for taking a, a healthy life form from the earth, who by the way has done them no wrong and no harm, fits in with the meaning of love in the scripture 1 Corinthians 13.4. I switch the conversation to biblical mode. 1 Corinthians 3.4 states that love is kind, it is not self-seeking, and it does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Once I bring up Corinthians, the hunter now feels certain that he will win the debate, for he can use God to defend his position, and he will move on to his number two answer. In the number two answer, the hunter tells me that they feel hunting is loving, selfless, and as far from evil as you can get because the hunter saves the world by being an environmental steward through acting as law enforcers that control the population of animals through destroying animal herds. In their corrupt minds, this is their humane and godly duty. As passed on to them, mind you, by their ancestors. So that means as passed on to them by also their parents, by the people who are teaching them in their churches, and by the people who are teaching them in their schools. And let's not forget the people who are in the government who promote this type of behavior. Now, what's happening here is what they're doing is they are hunting so the forests won't become too overcrowded. 
and the animals won't spread disease or suffer themselves from disease and starvation. The hunter will say they also love hunting because it also helps them to eliminate any chance that the deer or any animal will come out of the forest or come out of the woods and damage their crops because they plant them for human survival. So they think that their crops are necessary for human survival. However, however, they don't feel it's necessary for the animals to have food in the woods and in the forest because they go in and they rape the forest of the animals' food. Humans may worry that animals will take their food, but humans have been taking food away from the animals, the birds, the insects, and the ocean life. They hoard all resources for themselves as if they were the only species on the planet. Their greed is out of control, just as their numbers are out of control. And their practices and industries have also polluted the environment and the ecosystems of the earth, which has severely compromised the biosphere of the planet. Man is the only species that presents himself as an enemy of the web of life through the actions that he voluntarily takes that makes him hostile to the web of life. No other species is hostile to the web of life. Man makes himself the sole enemy of creation. It's true. Jesus Christ says this, the Bible says this, and the spirits have been giving dissertations about this for thousands of years. It is only man that blocks his ears and chooses to deflect from his guilt and instead places all the blame on the animals of the earth. But man only deceives himself. And isn't there a scripture? There's a scripture about that. It's, in fact, it's my favorite one. It's Leviticus 25, 7. And for your cattle and for the wild animals that are in your land, all its yield shall be for food. But man destroys the lands, and man destroys the yield, taking all the land, trees, and food for themselves, and leaving nothing, no homes, no land, and no yield for the animals. Yeah, I love that. That's one of my absolute favorite scriptures. There are many more scriptures that reveal how God and Christ feel about man's interference in the peaceful web of existence. Isaiah 24, 5. The earth is defiled by its people. They have disobeyed the laws, violated the statutes, and broken the everlasting covenant. Numbers thirty-five, thirty-three. So you shall not pollute the land in which you are, for blood pollutes the land, and no expiation can be made for the land, for the blood that is shed on it, except by the blood of him who shed it. Ezekiel 45.9 This is what the Sovereign Lord says, You have gone far enough. Give up your violence and oppression, and do what is just and right. But what is just and right? It is not what is just and right according to man's opinion. It is just and right according to what God is. God is spirit. And what is just and right is also what conforms to the fruits of the spirit. 
that are loving, joyful, kind, merciful, good, gentle, full of forbearance, and self-control. Mind you, self-control is the most important one. For without self-control, they just go about their violence and inequities. So let's hear another scripture. Here's another scripture, Jeremiah 12, 4. And I think this one is the most impacting. Yeah, I love this one. How long will the land mourn? How long will the land lie parched and the grass in every field be withered? Because those who live in it are wicked. The animals and birds have perished. Moreover, the people are saying, he will not see what happens to us. Go and gather all the wild beasts, bring them to devour. Many shepherds will ruin my vineyard and trample down my field. They will turn my pleasant field into a desolate wasteland. It will be made a wasteland, parched and desolate before me. The whole land will be laid to waste because there is no one who cares. They will sow wheat, but reap thorns. They will wear themselves out, but gain nothing. And remember, the Bible was channeled, which means a spirit in the afterlife spoke to men on earth. And from the afterlife, they saw what men did. Right. The whole, the Bible is a wake-up call. Just like what you and I are doing here is a wake-up call. The spirits connect with people on earth who they can speak through, who feel the way that they do. I mean, they're, they're heartbroken. They're, it, it, it's, it's gut-wrenching to them how uh, men don't listen, how men don't learn, how, how men just plow through life destroying what God created. There's, it's, no, care, it's there's no caring in them. No, no. They're very self-involved. No, it's it's true. It's absolutely true. You know, getting back to the um, debating process, we were on um, number two, and all the things that you said are, are excellent answers to um, the hunter's number two response. Um, I'm going to give you my response, my you know usual response, but from now on I'm going to add what you just said because that those are wonderful answers. So my response to number two is to say that hunting is self-serving and far from loving. For of quelling the non-human animal herds was truly loving and humane and necessary, it would be necessary to also quell the human animal herds. Make no mistake when these hunters say they have to quell the animal population human beings are also animals we we that's a very important issue very but man important. draws a division and says the animals and he are not the same when they are the exact same they are the exact same there is nothing nothing no. different just the animals have them. fur and man has less body hair the right. animals basically are four-footed and right. man has two feet but Besides that, they certainly don't act any more intelligent. They act more vicious. They do. The animals aren't causing pollution. The no, they're animals not. Animals no. aren't destroying no, no, the biosphere. No. They did not cause the depletion of the ozone no. layer. Mm -mm. Man did all these things. Right, and if, I think it's in the book. If it's not in the book Herbivore Omnivore Debate that I wrote, it's in the book The Shepherd that I wrote, which is also about animal welfare. 
where my actually list, I think it's 145 similarities between non-human animals and human animals. So let me go back to um, now my number two answer. So because the human herd population is totally out of control, I mean, I don't even like to say the human herd population. What I like to say is because the the human herd overpopulation is totally out of control, um, that is causing great starvation for the animal kingdoms as well as causing deforestation, pollution, um, and, and poisoning the Earth's environment. In addition, men destroy animal territories to house their own massive, massive human numbers because of the human overpopulation. I mean, they destroy animal habitats, animal homes, and build their toxic industries and homes to house the overpopulation of human beings, which should have been kept in control in the first place, so there wouldn't be so many of them on the earth. The entire planet, its environment, and its ecological balance is suffocating in the pollution of synthetic and artificial human waste and the overcrowding of human herds who are in much greater danger of disease and spreading disease, so of getting disease and spreading disease, and they're also in much greater um, danger of starvation. That's why there is poverty and homelessness than the animals are. It is the human species and the human species alone that is causing war, poverty, starvation, hardship, terror, distress, suffering, homelessness, extinction, pollution, global warming, climate change, environmental and habitat destruction, biodiversity loss, ocean dead zones, deforestation, and human and animal planet destruction. My God, I am out of breath. Now, when the hunter told me all the reasons why they were calling the animal herds, I, I believe there was three. Hunters don't want animals to starve. They don't want them to get disease. They don't want them to spread disease. And they don't want the animals to eat the human crops. The fact is, men only quell the animal herds for self-serving reasons. Humans want more land and food for themselves. They want the entire planet for themselves. Even their consumerism is destroying the planet. Human beings are the biggest threat to the planet. It really isn't animal kind like men think that it is animal kind. It's human beings. When you think of all the reasons that men insist they have to quell animal herds, these very same reasons exist and are being ignored by men in their own human civilizations. Humans get disease and spread disease too. They are spreading COVID-19 right now. Humans are starving all over the world and that is why there's great famines. Humans are also homeless and in poverty, while the entire human race is draining all the planet's resources. So it really makes no sense to say that the quelling of animal herds is necessary when the human herds are doing far greater damage to the planet 
and the human herds are also in far greater danger because of what they're doing. Now, because of this overpopulation of humankind, men sincerely need to rethink their strategies for how they intend to save both animal kind and humankind and the entire planet. Another thing that hunters say they love is being able to feed their families fresh killed organic meat so they don't have to eat store-bought meat which they feel is filled with unnatural chemicals. But to be truly organic, the meat cannot hold any type of fertilizer, pesticides, or artificial poisonous agents. But it actually does. Considering man has littered, polluted, and poisoned the entire world, all animals are now eating poisons. Humans are eating poisons. Animals are lying, drooling, and rolling on polluted and poisoned lands, bathing, drinking, and swimming in polluted, poisoned waters, and breathing, sneezing, coughing in polluted air. And because humans are the cause of 98% of global warming and climate change, the destruction and deterioration of the ozone layer is baking, burning, and radiating all of the animals that you use for meat. Don't ever forget humans need UV sunglasses and sunscreen if they are to be out in the sun. So what do you think that sun is doing to the animals who are always out in the sun without any protection at all? Humans have not only poisoned the planet, they have also poisoned themselves. And the only cause of human poison is poisoned human thinking. You were telling me that when you present your first spiritual teaching, your debater goes silent. This is a sign of programming. Silence means he has no answer because the answer was not programmed into him. He has only been programmed with an argument. An intelligent mind will think, reflect, ponder, consider, and contemplate the argument. An intelligent mind does not accept information as is. The mind that is used for intelligence continues to work intelligently, processing all information intelligently. An intelligent mind would never be silent. An intelligent mind would not be able to accept corrupt thinking. When an intelligent mind is faced with intelligence, that mind would admit you have made an interesting point. You have presented food for thought. But when faced with information that is corrupt or polluted, an intelligent mind cannot accept this because corrupt information and polluted information both defy logic, reason, and rational thinking. Corrupt and polluted information cannot be reconciled because anything corrupt and polluted is also sick, twisted, ill, deformed, and diseased. An intelligent mind wants to learn so it can grow in intelligence. When an intelligent mind hears something intelligent, it is grateful for the food it receives. For to the mind, intelligence is superior food. If an intelligent mind was faced with a mind of greater intelligence, it would ponder the greater intelligence and be ready to admit its own thinking was not whole, and it would admit that your thinking helped to raise his own thinking. But an intelligent mind could never accept corrupt or polluted information. This information would be poison 
The intelligent mind wants to learn so it can evolve. It doesn't want to be left behind. It doesn't want to be left in the dark. You have said that your debate process ends when your opponent gives in by saying it just likes to eat meat, which brings the debate process to an end in a draw. Neither side proved anything beyond the fact that your opponent likes to eat meat and not think about it. But you have shown that you have done quite a lot of thinking about meat. You are well versed on all the nuances of eating meat, the impact on the body, the impact on the mind, and the impact on the environment. You handled your position with intelligence, which clearly makes you an authority on the subject, where your opponent is just a meat eater. He has no higher position in the debate other than being a consumer of flesh food, a mimic of the flesh food mentality that is programmed into him by the flesh food industry and its masters. And you can apply this to every aspect of consumerism. If you do not question the products you consume, then you are just a consumer, a mimic of the consumer industry's commercial propaganda, serving the industrial commercial industry and the industrial commercial industry masters. Human thinking has become so corrupt that there is no place it can go except to continue its downward spiral. All human language, all human phrases are twisted and maligned to serve dark purposes and intentions. The human species is waging mental war and using language as its weapon, saying right is wrong and wrong is right, so there is no salvation in words anymore. The further man entangles his mind in the bowels of gravity, the deeper and darker his thinking becomes, and this is why he believes killing is enjoyable. This is why he believes depravity is exciting. This is why he believes screaming voices are soothing and violence is entertaining. Once the human mind begins to think with gravity, there is no place that human mind can go but deeper and deeper into the bowels of gravity where thinking is dark, depraved, sinister, violent, menacing, unconcerned, incoherent, corrupt, disorganized, frenzied, chaotic, hostile, twisted, and perverse. The only hope for the mind's health is to think up to the cosmic universe, the universe of cosmic thoughts and cosmic thinking, the alpha plane as it was written in Revelations 22:13. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. The Alpha is open and free of gravity. It is a mind of peace and clarity, and through the Alpha mind, you can be washed clean of mental gravity waves. You can realign your thinking and reformat your perspective, and through the clear, open perspective, you can return to innocence and through innocence you can rediscover all the positive altruistic expressions of joy, peace, love, harmony, kindness, gentleness, mercy, hope, forbearance, and self-control, and know these things in the gravity-free, positive polarity that they live in. But if darkness remains your only guide, you will remain trapped there 
and there will be no ascending state you can hope to achieve because darkness cannot ascend to the light. The only light is in the higher mind, not the lower. If you cannot access the higher mind, you cannot access the light. You are in a basement with no windows and no stairs, with a light switch by a door that is high above you and closed. You cannot reach this light switch, nor can you reach this door, because there is no way up. So you will grovel around in the darkness. Only if your mind is aware of its futility and it longs to be free, can you hope the door will open so a light will shine and show you a staircase. For only in reaching for the light that is barred to you will your mind actually be sending a wave upward, calling for a higher mind's wave to answer. And in that moment, when you cast your attention to your own higher salvation, so you will ignite the light in your mind and the experience will be illuminating. And should you continue to reach for that light, you will be pulling your mind out of the dark basement of death until you are free. Wow, that was really an eye-opener. Thank you for sharing that. I could hear Christ say that, and it was all true. Thinking with the lower mind is really like being in a basement. And the sad fact about that is, people have been living in the basement of the lower minds for so long that they are easily programmed now to lean towards corruption while all higher thoughts elude them. When they hear a higher thought, such as the information that we are sharing here today, it confuses them because they feel assaulted by the truth. For so long they were taught that the wrong way to think and act was the right way that they now can't determine what is the actual truth and what is actually moral, ethical, and right. I think a lot of times why the mind goes silent during a debate is because it literally is experiencing the fact that it just went on tilt mode. Why it goes on tilt mode is because it hasn't heard the concepts before, so it has nothing to relate them to. Humans are very resistant to change. They love traditions and the same old routines and lessons because change is threatening to them and redundancy is familiar. When change comes, the loss of something is felt. So whatever they think is valuable, they think they might lose if they change. And that makes them terrified that they might have to adapt to a new way of living, thinking, and acting. You see, their level of safety and security right now is the fact that they know what to think and how to act as members of the human mainstream collective majority because they were taught how to think and how to act as members of the human mainstream collective majority. So like what they're hearing today doesn't go along with their common programmings. People are comfortable in their current programming because it is the same recycled programming of their ancestors who also polluted the planet and then procreated their descendants to carry on in the same way. 
Human civilization today is not the first civilization to pollute the earth. All the ancient civilizations also polluted the earth. This has been going on since the introduction of ancient commercial enterprise when traders carried their goods on horses and camels before the wheelbarrow and wagon were even invented. Man has been calling himself civilized while acting uncivilized and he has been promoting all of his dark traditions and practices of domination, subjugation, violence, mayhem and destruction as civilization. And each new generation has been brainwashed to believe that barbarism is as high as it can get. These behaviors are not new. They are older behaviors that never evolved. A species cannot evolve unless its practices evolve. And its practices cannot evolve until its thinking evolves. Technology means nothing if it is destroying the planet. You are already destroying the planet without technology. How has your technology evolved if it's also destroying the planet? It is not evolved. Your technology helps you to de-evolve and accelerate the destruction of the planet. Your technology shortens the life of the planet that sustains you, so you will no longer be able to sustain your own presence upon the planet. It's absolutely true, but people, they just don't care about any of these things. I mean, they don't. You know? Take, take meat eating, for instance, all right? Their human programming towards meat eating states that meat is tasty, meat is fun, meat is good for you, and meat is something everyone can eat when you hang out with your friends and your buddies. No one wants to be odd man out because that creates barriers. Another big reason why change is so frightening, especially concerning um, animal welfare and meat in particular, is because acting with a higher conscience might create an enormous amount of inconvenience for them. And their lives right now are right where they want them to be. Nobody wants to be inconvenienced. Right now they know what to eat and how to eat it and where to buy it and how to dress and where to buy clothes. And they also know what animal-based products they like to use on their hair, on their body, when they, you know, when they buy shampoo and, and when they buy um, body wash. Um, my debating this new type of programming for their minds is more than they can comprehend. At least to me, that's what it seems like when they come back at me um, and, and try to bash the ideas. Rituals go hand in hand with redundancy. As their thinking is redundant, so their ritualistic actions are also redundant. There is no thought process needed in redundancy. The brain cells die because they are no longer used. The human being becomes an auto-man, functioning on autopilot. There is nobody home. You do not engage a thinking individual. You engage an archaic wheel of redundant programming. And when you present a new program, that redundant wheel screeches to a halt and stalls. If there is any response at all, it would have to be anger and hostility, for you have revoked and evoked the redundant emotional recordings that the programmed mind witnessed when it was first fed the programming and it threatened its own master that programmed it. Because at some point, the mind had to be innocent. And when it was fed the programming, 
the innocent mind would know this is wrong, but the master would take some action to subdue that programmed individual, whether it deprived it of its freedom or it brutalized it in some way, or it caused it to lose some kind of privilege, it would subdue it. And, and the individual would learn, oh, I, I better just go along and do what everyone else does, or I won't be able to, whatever. I won't have what they're, what they're punishing me with anymore. Yeah, you know, you, you were telling me a story, and I, I want you to tell it to the audience. Um, that reminded me of this. Um, you were in school, and um, um, the kids in school, I think it was junior high, you said you, you were popular, and, and tell that story. What, what was that story you were talking about? I just about? said that in junior high school, I was, only one year in junior high school, I was very popular, and um, we were new in school. We just moved there. And um, I suppose maybe it was there culture in that particular city to behave that way but you know I was befriended by a group of girls and we went everywhere together during school hours and um, just one day we were hurrying along as we were always hurrying to and fro to get anywhere we wanted to go and we were all very high and talking about nothing empty conversations the whole way and um, I just had a voice in my head that said what are you hurrying for? What are you rushing toward? And it made me stop, literally. It made me physically stop. So the girls went on ahead of me. And I realized I didn't know what I was rushing toward, nor, nor did I know why I was hurrying. I wasn't going toward anything. Nothing was interesting to me. So anyway, that is um, that was my, I suppose, and, awakening. And the girl called to you. Oh, my friend called to me and said, come on, come on. And I said, yeah, I'm coming. But I really, I didn't come. I took my time. And I didn't rush. So all of your experiences in school, I mean, um, you, you tried a lot of things. I, you know, I never tried anything. Well, I did try, I did try a cigarette once, and I thought it was disgusting. I, I tried... Um, I tried beer and I tried wine. I thought they were disgusting, but you, you, you tried things, what, just for your own amusement or to be in with the crowd? I didn't do either thing for either reason. I felt there had to be a reason why I was here, and um, I wasn't receiving the um, astral planes the way I experienced it as a child. That wasn't anywhere on Earth. So I figured it had to be something about the human species that I was supposed to go toward. So I associated with them to try and investigate, just like today at 60 years of age, I am investigating the metaphysical realm. I investigated the human realm when I was about 14, 15 and upward. And um, I didn't, everything I tried, I, I didn't really care for. I, it, I didn't hold my attention. I didn't find any conversation interesting. I didn't find the information interesting. I didn't find the practices or the rituals interesting. The, and I, when I speak of practices and rituals, the vices, I mean right? the vices. I didn't yeah. find getting a vice interesting, drinking, smoking. It wasn't interesting. It was, there was no intellect involved in it. I didn't find dating interesting. I didn't find the boys intellectual. So what was the, where was the substance in the boyfriend? 
I couldn't find any substance in them other than a desperate need to get a girlfriend so they wouldn't be considered gay. Well, that's no reason to date. Yeah, and the, and the woman, the girl, she sees a boyfriend not well, being all made. Well, the girl had no substance in her either. No, of course not. She was just all hopped up to uh, prove that she was a woman. It's like, why? I didn't yeah. get it. It just didn't go along with who I was. So uh, little by little, I just withdrew from the human way. It wasn't my way. And um, what can I say, you know? Well, you were also, um, you seem to follow the same pattern your entire life because also um, when you started, after your car accident, and you started to get interested in spirituality, you also, for your own... Um, I guess for your own information, you also um, explored churches, and I mean, they didn't work out for you either. I had a calling to go to church. But they didn't work out. You went to many churches. You no. Went... I had a calling to go to church, and I didn't find anything in, inside the church but humans. Humans, humans' ideas, human programming. So you didn't find Christ? Human rituals. No, of course not. He's not there. Yes. Humans are there. Yes, yeah, so you didn't find anything spiritual. No, I didn't find anything of any value in the church itself. But I used to sit there and say, okay, you want me here. What do you want me here for? And I just lost interest. So then I started researching um, spiritual aspects. I read Eckhart Tolle, and I read Deepak Chopra, and I read Marianne Williamson, and I read Abraham Hicks, and, and I read, did I say Eckhart Tolle? Yes, you did. Oh, okay. Yeah, first, I think All it was right. the first one. Those are the only ones I can think of right now. So I went through all of those, and some of them were very inspirational. I saw The Secret. I was very much um, drawn to that stuff. And what did you think of Neil Donald Walsh? I mean... Oh, I saw Neil Donald Walsh. Yeah, what did you think of him? I saw the movie. I read two of the Neil Donald Walsh books. I thought the first one was better than the second, but, you know. Um, I thought the... Well, I don't want to talk about that. Well, no, when I'm not talking, you know, about, you know, if you liked him or you didn't like him, what I'm saying is what, what did you, basically, what did you think of him being a channeler? His experience of channeling is not mine. It, you know, there's a scene in the movie, and uh, I don't remember the exact order the movie went with its scenes and everything, but anyway, he's either sitting on the arm of a sofa in a, in a, a house when God starts speaking to him. This is the movie now, for anybody who has seen the movie. Um, what did he say? Conversations with God. And um, so he's sitting on this thing, and I believe God's first words to him, uh, have you had enough yet? And he jumps up, and he's looking all around. Who said that? You know what I mean? Well, yeah, this is a movie, though. They have to hide the hand. This, yeah, it's not, yeah, this is not how you actually channel or how you hear, uh, you know, messages. They, they're trying to make, they want the movie to be interesting yeah. for the people. Right so, there, yeah. right there, they lost me completely because they're yeah. writing fiction. They're, they're not writing reality in the first place. And that's why I really don't want to, uh, I don't want to uh, knock it. He made a million dollars off it no more, you know, but it's... Yeah, no, I get, I get yeah. you, yeah, I get, you know, all these people, Joel Alstein and... Yeah, and all um, of them, you know, multi-million dollar uh, franchises. But I just want to know, you know, how you thought of other people in their channeling, because that, you know, 
I, I think that's pretty I liked, interesting. I liked Eckhart Tolle's Power of Now. It was very true. Uh, I like a few of the things that Deepak Chopra wrote. Now, I can't remember any of them. The Anatomy of the Spirit was one of my favorite books by Carolyn Miss. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I'm, I don't know. You were doing the Bible at that time. You were very into the Bible and were always praising how much you enjoyed um, spiritually interpreting scriptures and... I had looked at the Bible when they, I, who they are with the spirits, uh, telling me to go to church. And um, I looked at the Bible and lost interest in it. It just didn't hold me. No, you wanted more, uh, even though the Bible is metaphysical. I wanted more metaphysical. Yeah, yeah, you wanted more. You, you couldn't get through. Until the scriptures uh, that Jesus produced about the spirit. Once he started talking, yeah. I was like, now, why isn't this a book? Yeah, too much humanness. You know, yeah. Why isn't this a book all on its own? So I, um, I couldn't read the Bible. I went out and I got a book called The Greatest Words Ever Spoken by Stephen K. Scott. And um, that had all the scriptures I wanted to read without having all the stuff I didn't want to deal with in it. Yeah. So um, I, through writing those down, and I started a dialogue with the scripture itself. And through doing that, um, the person in the scripture responded, and that's how I channeled. Right. So then Jesus came to you. I mm -hmm. uh, see. I don't. I don't take the Bible. The human part of the Bible isn't an interest of mine either. Just to let you know, um, I see the metaphysical in it, and how the humans, you know, don't follow the lessons that are in the Bible, and um, that's the way you know. I, I see the whole thing. And, you know, I, I, I hope a little bit later on, maybe in the next episode, I, you know, I can get more into, into that because um, I think that's a very, uh, you know, interesting, interesting thing, how um, the Bible is misinterpreted. Getting back to what we were talking about before, I don't think that meat-eating is good for the mind. Uh, summarizing what I have already given in dissertation in the Alphatum diet, the diet that feeds the spirit also feeds all stages of creation, the Alpha Spirit, the Eden Flesh, and the Omega Mind, which is the refined lower mind, refined because the information in the mind is refined to serve the spirit, not the flesh. The diet for the spirit of man is a diet that nourishes the body and the mind with light. When the word light is used to define foods that are healthy for the spirit of man, this light does not just refer to foods that contain no saturated fats or additives or preservatives, but natural organic foods that retain the light. Remember, all living creatures contain energy, and the energy field of all creatures is intelligent. This means that all living creatures contain spirit energy. The light is in the energy field naturally, and the foods that feed that light in man are the seed foods, fruits and vegetables. These are wholesome foods that should be eaten raw. Flesh foods carry more density and weight than seed foods. Anything heavy and dense does not produce light, it repels light. But light foods reach for the light 
and hold the light inside them. Light foods feed the spirit. Flesh foods feed darkness. In order to serve the spirit and the mind, light must be the source of all foods that the body takes into itself. And in the matter of foods, plant foods should be eaten raw because plants remain healthy with active energy that infuses the energy of the one who consumes them. Plant foods, vegetables and fruits, do not die until the digestion process begins if you eat the plant in its raw state. To cook the fruit or vegetable changes not only its physical properties, but its energy and you will not receive the optimal benefit from plant food should you process it. Flesh foods that are processed and cooked are dead. There's no energy in them. Nutrients may survive, but they've been tampered with due to preparation that includes the addition of chemical dyes, preservatives, additional synthetic additives, and the cooking process itself. That's not natural, wholesome, organic food. It does not feed man's spirit or man's mind. The meat-eating animals have lower energy than man, so fresh kill feeds their energy. Man's energy is higher than the other animals. He only lowers his energy through poor free will choices, including the choice to eat flesh. But man does not eat fresh kill. He cannot. He does not possess the teeth to chew it. He must prepare it, and the preparation changes the properties in the flesh. In addition, man's energy is not naturally balanced for flesh food. Man's spiritual network is made for plant food. And when I speak of his energy, I speak of his spiritual energy. His spiritual body is not made for flesh food. His spiritual energy is also his life force. His life force is more equal to the plant's life force than the animals in, in so much as the light within his spiritual field. So basically what you're saying is meat's not good for the mind because it's also not good for the body and what's not good for the body can't be possibly good for the mind. Meat is not good for the spirit and the spirit is your infinite life force. Your body's going to die. To give your body more respect than you give your spirit isn't smart. But the spirit is the mind. Yes, the spirit and mind are one. Speaking of the mind, do you know what I find fascinating? I find it fascinating that adults don't even see what's wrong with meat eating, but many children do. I think it's funny that um, a child can become aware that what they're doing is wrong when they're eating meat, and yet um, adults just don't get it because it tastes good their minds are just dead set on eating it without any concern that it was a living being with with feelings it's just awful well innocence is an open mind you do not have innocence if your mind is closed the child has innocence because its mind is open therefore it has higher thinking than an adult mind well, That's it's, the answer. It, well, it's true. It's true. And the programming, you can program a child very easily because you start programming 
a child before it even knows um, the idea of concepts. Small children who are ready to eat meat um, have no opinions on the matter. I was just told a story uh, where a one-year-old was fed steak and the parents were laughing because of how much the child loved the taste of steak. Well, they were feeding the baby steak. The, the baby doesn't know what steak is. The baby doesn't know what's a how cow. How can it chew steak? Um, well, it was a one-year-old. One-year-old. And um, I, I guess it... it I, I don't know. I really didn't ask them because the story was kind of disgusting to me. Of course, I find it disgusting to feed a child meat when a child doesn't have to eat meat. You know, of course, the baby is not to blame. The baby doesn't know any better. It's the parents that should teach the child to be kind. You can program a child more easily than you can adults, so why not just program the child not to eat meat by not feeding the child meat? Not all who are programmed are children. Many of adults are young people who fear being alone. They fear ostracization. Children are very cruel, and sensitive children do not want to face the wrath of their peers. Teenagers especially are very socially conscious. There's a lot of emphasis in today's world to gather 100,000 likes on Facebook and to have 100,000 friends. The child that is alone is a target. The herd is afraid of the loner because the herd fears the loner's knowledge. So it will try to bully that lone child into surrendering its isolation in favor of the majority's redundant programming. Redundancy cannot be at peace if even one wheel goes its own way. In contrast, the higher mind thrives in peace and solitude. It does not become redundant. The higher mind that knows peace and solitude also learns to think. It learns to explore itself. It learns to explore its mind, and it learns to understand what it is and what it can do. And through learning about itself, it becomes more intelligent. In contrast, the one who is enslaved by redundancy does not learn anything at all. The mind sleeps through the reruns. It's like falling asleep with the television or radio on. The mind learns nothing. The redundant herd leader will find new redundant information it didn't know before because all redundancy is pre-recorded and the redundant group will add more redundancy to their programming in order to increase their redundant knowledge. But because the knowledge did not go anywhere the first time it was discovered, it will go nowhere now. It's true. Man may refine the way in which he commits murder, but he is still causing death. He is still promoting redundancy. Redundancy cannot be improved. You can only make it easier to be redundant. Well, everything in life is redundant. I mean, even eating, uh, you know, vegetation. That's what life is. Love, life is redundancy. You, do the, you get up, you do the same things over and over and over again. But the point is, one feeds your energy field. One poisons your energy field. Oh, yeah, meat is definitely with poison a to the higher, energy field. With a higher energy field, the mind will be more intelligent. It will be more open to intelligence. It won't be clogged with poisons. Right, I agree. You know, when speaking of the meat eater's mind, you know, and, you know, talking about how the meat eater, you, you mentioned this in one of the things you said, the meat eater doesn't have a high position to debate with because its position 
is always just death and destruction and defending death and destruction and protecting death and destruction. So it, it really doesn't go anywhere. Uh, even in the biblical sense, you know, it has to find violent um, biblical scriptures to go along with. It, it never raises its mind. It never sees spirituality. Um, I can tell you that w when the mind is in meat-eating mode, a person has nothing to advance the mind with except for destruction and death. The act of meat eating is a very low thought because meat eating is savage. Meat eating is selfish. And meat eating is a very thoughtless and careless thing to do. Uh, it also is a simple thing to do. For the meat eater, it is simple because all the meat eater has to do is buy the meat, cook the meat, and eat the meat. The meat was already killed. Which Don't you think it's funny when they, um, I love this and I have to bring this up after what I just said there. When you drive by a farm and, and you see the, um, you know, the, the signs, they don't call them cows. I, I love, they call them beef. That, that, that cracks me up. You know, and, you know, they say grass-fed beef. Beef can't eat. Hello? A grass-fed cow can eat. You know, they, they, they're, defle they're always... Is that they're deflecting from the sentient creature. Exactly. They don't want you to know the creature has feelings. They don't want you to even know it's a creature. They don't want they you to want know it's you, living. They don't want you to know it's alive. They want you to think of it as inanimate. Yes, so you'll eat it because it's making them money. Right, this all right, has right. to do with money. They're not really concerned with your health and well-being. They want your money. And they'll do anything in the world, use any propaganda available to them to separate you from your money. Yeah, exactly. And when I see this, I see this quite a lot because I love, I love driving on roads that have farms on them. I love the countryside. It's beautiful. And whenever I, I see that, as you know, a lot of times you're with me and I always comment out loud, oh my God, grass-fed beef as if beef could eat. I, I picture like this big hunk of steak on a plate and um, they call the children in to eat. You know, supper's done, come on and eat, but before you do, feed your beef. And you know, the kids take their spoon and their fork and I don't know what the mother's giving the beef to eat. Oh, grass fed. So the mother had to go outside and, and, and get a whole like bucket of grass. And so the kids are holding the grass up to the this piece of steak and, and you know, and saying, eat beef, go on, it's good for you. But, you know, the thing is, the beef doesn't have a mouth, it doesn't have an eyes, it doesn't have a nose, the, the beef doesn't eat. So the kids actually really just have to pretend, as do the adults, that beef eats. When the fact of the matter is, it's a cow. Well, if beef eats, why don't you just pull the lettuce and off, your, um, off your burger and hand it to the burger patty and let it have some too. Yeah, I mean, if, if beef did eat, though, mm. just think about it. You never would be able to eat it because when you put the, when you put the lettuce and tomato on the bun, it would gobble it up, mm. and you wouldn't get to have lettuce and tomato in the bun. I mean, you know. The burger would um, actually, you know, eat up the sandwich before the person even got to take a bite of it. So anyway, meat eating is simple for many reasons because the only thought involved in the action of meat eating is the decision to choose what meat source you want, 
and then to choose where you want to buy it, choose how you want to cook it, choose how you want to prepare it, and then choose how you want to eat it. For the hunter, the obtainment of meat is a simple task, for all they have to do is take a man-made weapon into the woods, hide and wait to kill an unarmed innocent animal, and then all they have to do is carry the animal off, skin it, butcher it, and dismember it, and turn it into meat. It's a simple task because it is a thoughtless task, an uncaring task, an inconsiderate task, an unaware task, an unevolved task, a savage task, and an unconscious task. And mind you, let's not forget that the hunter isn't just going into the woods with a weapon to kill an unarmed animal. He is going into the woods to kill a life form that did no harm or wrong to him. I think that says a lot, but you know what? It's simple. That shows the simplicity of the mind when it does the act. Meat eating and hunting are very simple minded things to do. You need to add your um, proverbs 110 to 19 to your debate when you do the, your debating. And I remember them, but what are they now? Do not let sinful men entice you. Do not give in to them. If they say, come along with us, let's lie in wait for innocent blood. Let's ambush some harmless soul. Let's swallow them alive like the grave and whole like those who go down to the pit. We will get all sorts of valuable things and fill our houses with plunder. My son, do not go along with them. Do not set foot on their paths, for their feet rush into evil. They are swift to shed blood. How useless to spread a net where every bird can see it. These men lie in wait for their own blood. They ambush only themselves. Such are the paths of all who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away the life of those who get it. Oh, that's wonderful. I love that one. That is a, a very good one, isn't it? There is, there's quite a few things that Jesus said for the welfare of animals. Rescue those being led away to death. This is the slaughterhouse, if I ever heard it. Hold back those staggering towards slaughter. If you say, but we knew nothing about this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who guards your life know it? Will he not repay everyone according to what they have done? Oh, of course. I mean, you know, staggering away to slaughter. But once again, you know, going back to, you asked me, do I like my name? Mercy heavens. And I told you, you know, mercy, when you look up the word mercy, it means to have, you know, mercy and, and kindness to only people. And this is the way people think. So... Uh, being led away to slaughter, they're going to they're going to hear that and they're going to say, "Well, they don't mean animals; they mean people being led away to slaughter." He also talks about selling meat. And I believe this one's about selling meat. Jeremiah twenty two seventeen. Your eyes and your heart are set only on dishonest gain, on shedding innocent blood, and on oppression, and extortion. 
Oh, that's true. That is, yeah, that's meat that's, all over. That's meat selling. Oh, God, yeah. Proverbs twenty three twenty. Do not join with those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat. That reminds me, um, that should have been in um, Moses and the Grains. <laughs> mm -hmm. Matthew nine thirteen. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And speaking of sacrifice, there are many, many scriptures against sacrifice. Now, if you're not going to want an animal sacrificed for you, you're certainly not going to want to see it harmed for any other reason at all. Here's one for you. Isaiah 1.11-1.17 The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough of burnt offerings, of rams and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do what is right. And what about this one? Isaiah 66, 2 through 4. These are the ones I look on with favor. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit. But whoever sacrifices a bull is like one who kills a person and whoever offers a lamb is like one who breaks a dog's neck. Whoever makes a grain offering is like one who presents pig's blood. And whoever burns memorial incense is like the one who worships an idol. They have chosen their own ways and they delight in their abominations. So I also will choose harsh treatment for them, and I will bring on them what they dread. For when I called, no one answered. When I spoke, no one listened. They did evil in my sight and chose to do what displeased me. I always loved that uh, because it reminded me of the animals. I always think of all the animals and the torment that humans put them through. and. When I hear that, I, I hear them saying, For when I called, no one answered. When I spoke, no one listened. They did evil in my sight. I mean, that's, it's like so potent. And what was that one? So potent. That was, um, that was Isaiah 66, 2.4. But, you know, I picture all the animals as they're being tortured by the wicked, cruel humans, you know, in saying that. It's just, wow. It's just, to me, it's like, oh my God, that's just so amazing. I, I, I can't even tell you how amazing it is. There's so many scriptures like that, and I sincerely don't think they would have been written if God and Christ approved of man harming animals, which, of course, they didn't. I mean, right from the no. beginning. Did, right. Did you get Jeremiah? Did, All the way back in Jeremiah. What does it say in Jeremiah. For in the day that I brought your ancestors out of the land of Egypt, I did not speak to them or command them concerning burnt offerings and sacrifices. 
No, I didn't get that one. I like that one too. In Psalm 59 to 3, I have no need for a bull from your stall or goats from your pens. For every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the insects in the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all that is in it. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? No. No, he doesn't. No. Only man does. Well, that's the thing. Only man does, and man likes to say that Jesus does. He loves to say, Jesus loves meat and fish, and man also loves to say that God loves the smell of burning flesh. I mean, come on, it's absolutely ridiculous. Right from the beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1.29, God said to eat vegetation. That proves that no, you are not supposed to eat meat. So let's have another scripture. Do you have another scripture there? Isaiah 24.5, the earth is defiled by its people. They have disobeyed the laws, violated the statutes, and broken the everlasting covenant. Right, never in the Bible does it say the earth is defiled by animals. Go no, ahead. No, never, just the, just the humans. Ezekiel 45.9, this is what the sovereign Lord says. You have gone far enough. Give up your violence and oppression and do what is just and right. Habakkuk 2.17, the cup from the Lord's right hand is coming around to you, and disgrace will cover your glory as the violence you have done will overwhelm you and your destruction of animals will terrify you. Awesome. Numbers 35:33. So you shall not pollute the land in which you are, for blood pollutes the land, and no expiation can be made for the land for the blood that is shed on it, except by the blood of him who shed it. Philippians 3:19. Man's destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Isaiah 59.7 Their feet run to evil, and they hasten to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity, devastation, and destruction are in their highways. Jeremiah 12.4 How long will the land mourn? How long will the land lie parched, and the grass in every field be withered? because those who live in it are wicked. The animals and birds have perished. Moreover, the people are saying, he will not see what happens to us. Go and gather all the wild beasts, bring them to devour. Many shepherds will ruin my vineyard and trample down my field. They will turn my pleasant field into a desolate wasteland. It will be made a wasteland, parched and desolate before me. The whole land will be laid to waste because there is no one who cares. They will sow wheat, but reap thorns. They will wear themselves out, but gain nothing. Yeah, you, I remember you said that a little bit um, at the beginning of the episode. I like that one. That's why I repeated it then. Yeah, yeah, it's good, it's good. When I first began channeling Christ, I saw him as the Holy Spirit. So I would talk to him as the Holy Spirit when he talked to me. And I have a message from him, from the gospel of the Holy Spirit in the time that, I, that uh, all those scriptures, I added them to the book. There is no devil but in him who does darkness and tries to remove the light. Man is dark. He is the only devil, and there is nothing I can do. And I asked, why? 
Why is there nothing you can do? Where is the power of light? The innocent are being slaughtered here. I am here. There are many who are not dark, still here. And the Holy Spirit replied, The power waits beyond the veil. The earth was created to give hell a home. It is man's hell and his home. I do not live there anymore, and he cannot come where I am. Only those who know me and retain the word can come to me. All men create here is illusion. They have made this Satan's playground of death. So be it. Let them continue to destroy the world. Destroy it all. They will die with it finally, and every last one of them will be purged. And I and the Father will build heaven on their graves. Oh, I love it. That's awesome. Oh, that's great. That's fantastic. <laughs> really, it is. I love it. You know, when uh, I think of the simplicity of the meat eater's mind, which we, we were talking about for all the scriptures, I think of the mind of all of these inventors, these human inventors who invented rocket ships and high technological inventions. They, like the meat eater, are still thoughtless and selfish, especially when their inventions pollute and destroy the the world but you know did you ever think about in order to make these inventions they have to use their minds and their brains and in that way they think on a higher level than the meat eater does because the meat eater always thinks low the meat eater can never raise its mind when it's in meat eating mode once again, because meat eating is nothing but a destructive thought. Um, but I always think of where the knowledge comes from to invent these inventions. When you were talking about Christ, I was thinking, you know, to myself, are, are these people, um, you know, talking to spirits themselves? Because it seems like the information on how to invent these inventions is traveling downward from a higher source. And... Um, even though the inventor doesn't care how deadly and dangerous these inventions are, I wonder if they spoke to the source that's giving them. Like the minute the, the thought came into their mind, if they said, you know, asked, you know, who, who gave this to me? And they had a conversation with this source that is giving them this higher um, intellect to build these things. If the source could tell them how to build these inventions to help save the planet rather than destroy her. Whereas men think their inventions are fascinating and superior, I think the source of the contact that helped them build these inventions is curiously fascinating. And I, and I can't help thinking, is it a form of spirit communication? I just can't help thinking that. Spirits communicate in many different ways they send you story ideas they send you songs so I would assume they would send uh, technology too they would also send those ideas down why wouldn't they I have not met anyone in the afterlife that wasn't human and as humans they are the same as they were on earth they carry the same propensity for kindness or cruelty mercy or malice if the spirit is channeling information to a conduit on earth in order to help him build any machine and that spirit does not perform due diligence and also guide that conduit in the safe operation and use of that machine, then that spirit is showing that it is not aligned to benevolence. 
for a benevolent spirit cares for the life of the earth. It does not endanger it. The benevolent spirit is also wise, and being wise, it would also be judicious. It would foresee folly and would not enable any dangerous invention to fall into the hands of an irresponsible mind. This is my opinion, mind you. I have had conversations with Mother and Christ, and both have told me it is up to the receiver to utilize intelligence. Christ and uh, Mother have told me that they do not come close to um, conduits when they speak with them. They are on a different dimension than the yeah. um, than the earth is. They don't come down to see them. But I believe, you know, my personal opinion, you do due diligence if you're making and and if you're sending down that kind of information, you do due diligence and you assess the energy field of the person who is seeking to make the invention. You stay with the project. You stay with that conduit. You know everybody who is in the circle of that conduit who will be working on that machine. You assess them, and you make it clear right from the very start that conduit will know whatever happens in the use of that machine will be on his conscience and on his soul. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, do you think that um, the uh, spirits that actually want to harm the planet, I mean, don't want to use this type of, Benevolence. They're actually giving these scientists this information to aid them and abet them in destroying the planet. I think the mind is the same in the afterlife as it is in death. Jesus' mother and Enoch all confirmed this when I have spoken with them. I've experienced that when the mind hits the gravity-free zone, which would be the cosmic zone, it is aloof and carefree. This can also turn to carelessness by virtue of being thoughtless. So the benevolent mind can't be unintentionally thoughtless, but still it is thoughtless. It dreams that it is a benevolent God, and it places the flint and the stone in the child's hands on earth, and then it goes back to daydreaming, and the child sets itself on fire, and when the spirit learns of this, it says, well, why didn't the child think before striking the stone? It's not my fault the child didn't think. Mm. But I do not follow that philosophy. That is their philosophy. There are human minds that live on believing they are gods, but they still carry their lower thoughts and leanings. If they were ill-intentioned in life, they will be ill-intentioned in the afterlife. They will use a conduit as a vehicle through which they can cause mayhem and malice. It isn't that hard to take over a mind when most of the human population are oblivious to having a mind. It's true. I believe that. Most of the human population do not know they think. Now, this is told to me by the spirits. This is not an opinion of mine. Most of the human population do not know they think. They are not aware of their own thoughts. They aren't aware of their own voice in their mind. They follow any voice they hear as if it was their own thoughts. I do not know this as a fact again. I've been told this by the spirits. Well, I mean, it seems that way. You know, it seems like they don't know who they're um, um, attaching themselves to. Because, um, whereas they always tell me, or Christ tells me, you know, you get it wrong, man gets it wrong. But, you know, a, a lot of times, you can tell that these people, these people who are getting it wrong, well, they're, they're receiving information 
well, from if you, somewhere. If you look at what just happened um, with Trump and the Republicans, I mean, it didn't. It did seem like one mind was running the whole lot of them. Yeah, and and yeah. this is not just my opinion. This was all over Twitter. Other people had the same feeling. They talk about brain snatch because they found videos of uh, Republicans saying things that were totally opposite of what they were saying with now that they were yeah, yeah. under Trump's power. And mm. it, it's... Even today, he still controls them, which is kind of what weird. You are, what you were looking at was mind control. Mm. And I, I don't believe it's over. I think you're going to be seeing more mind control going on. I wonder who that mind is. Because I know it's a spirit. I know it's controlling everybody in that whole circle, including the leader. I know it is. Anything that's done um, through human means is done because of money. You're looking at people who have their hands in each other's pockets. So yeah. their resources are tied tightly together. Right. It's like, it's like one uh, universal till in their little group. Exactly. It's, yeah. uh, it's really just money they're holding on to. There's no loyalty between these people. None whatsoever. There's no loyalty to the government. But there is loyalty to money. Oh, yeah. Always. Always. Money makes the world go round and money is the human god. We're going to wrap this special edition segment of Cosmic Christ Podcast, Channeling the Mind of Christ. I'm Reva Christ. And I'm Mercy Heavens. May, May peace, peace be with, with you. And thank, thank you for listening. listening.